Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Scientists announce a major energy breakthrough. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. And joining me as always to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips. What's going on, fellas? Hump day. How you doing? Right. Another I mean, day. I'm here. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm a couple coffees in. Yeah, I mean, does, it that doesn't we're... sound like a hostage video or anything, Billy. Just no, uh, no, like, no. Like, I'm I am, here. I am... I'm okay. I'm trust me. I'm fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm holding up a sign <laughs> asking people to arrest me. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here as always. I love it. Right, and it's already December fourteenth. That's wild. Yes, I just have Christmas on my mind. I'm sorry, guys. That's well, all I, I care yes. about. <laughs> I'd, I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, well, yeah, you Christmas did. is getting yes, closer. Yes, did. Okay, I, I did honest. want to bring it up, but <laughs> all right, you're right, you're right. Well, and there's a war on Christmas. We've got an update on it. What's going on with the trees? I just, I can't with this Christmas tree. But basically, <laughs> the library that allegedly banned the Christmas tree is bringing it back. It's moving back on up into the library. All so right. we'll talk about that. All right, we'll get the details there. Plus, we've got an interview with Christian author Allie Patterson. We're going to go right now to the news in 90 seconds. And for the first time, U.S. scientists produced more energy from fusion than the laser energy they used to power the experiment. So this is so-called net energy gain. It's what they've been trying to get, and it's something they're calling a major milestone in what's been a really long quest to try to find this clean, ultra-efficient energy from nuclear fusion. The experiment put 2.05 megajoules, sounds like something from Back to the Future, of energy to the target and resulted in 3.15 megajoules of fusion energy output. So that's 50% more energy than was put in. It's the first time one of these experiments has resulted in a meaningful gain of energy. And new inflation numbers are out and they're still way too high at 7.1%, but it did dip uh, ever so slightly from the 8% uh, a month ago, it's likely officials will continue to raise interest rates from their already historically high levels. And an Alabama man who fell off a cruise ship says he's lucky to be alive after surviving more than 20 hours at sea. James Michael Grimes says God gave him the strength to stay afloat after falling overboard on a carnival cruise ship in the Gulf of Mexico over Thanksgiving holiday. You can read about that whole story over at CBN News. Com. And guys, I wanted to just dwell on this story for a couple of minutes here because there are a lot of details on it. Some are fuzzy, some are incredible, but it's a wild story. And he is giving God the credit on it. He said, the Lord gave me the will to live. It's a miracle. I wasn't going to give up at any point in time. Just say, this is it. This is the end. It never came to that. I was determined to swim until my arms and legs could not hold my body up anymore and he called it basically he was in he was in the water for 20 hours and he says that it was basically a 20-hour baptism that he was quote-unquote wheeling and dealing with God throughout the whole time that he was out there but uh, I wanted to get your guys reaction to this situation because basically he also said it's one of his biggest fears to, is to drown so I don't know what he was doing on a cruise in the first place if I was afraid of drowning a cruise would be the absolute last place you would find me so from the description here, this is where it gets very interesting. He said they were having an evening of fun, and what happened next was unclear. He went to use the restroom, and the next thing he remembers is waking up in the middle of the ocean. 
And this is what he said. He said, when I came to regain consciousness, I was in the water with no boat in sight. And I just, I mean, this is just wild. I, I mean, I, could you imagine that? Could you imagine? And then he says, I can't float myself even when I'm trying to. So there had to be the Lord was with me while I was out there because something was holding me up the whole time I was passed out. So he says he was passed out when he came to. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, no, it's. First of all, I would much rather drown than be floating in shark infested waters. So if you're telling me that I'm going to spend 20 hours floating around with the chance of encountering a shark, I don't, I don't know. Uh, But it is amazing that he made it through. I just, my nightmare scenario really would be waking up and there's no boat in sight. That actually sounds horrifying. No, no, not even no boat, but it's like, it's not like there's a lighthouse and well, maybe I can swim for it. You're just in the middle of the ocean. I mean, you want to talk about feeling small. There's there's two ways you can feel small. Is one sort of looking deep into space and realizing how massive and enormous and endless space is, and then being in the middle of the ocean all by yourself. I would think those are yeah. probably two of the most lonely, small, feeling insignificant moments you could possibly experience in our existence. I, just, I, I cannot... How on earth, for 20 hours in the cold water how do you even I, ca- I can't wrap my head around how that w- how that would ever even happen I, it, the story oh. to me is from from the beginning to end <laughs> i know i was trying absolutely not to... nonsensical it but is. I, i'm glad you survived uh, me too and that's why i was chuckling as i was trying to get through some of these details because look i don't know what was going on on his night of fun and entertainment <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm guessing there was some adult beverages involved because you don't just Say you're going to the bathroom, and the next thing you know, you wake up in the ocean. I mean, that's you. you How have does the to cold be. water though not shock your system? To uh, well, I he's in the Gulf of Mexico, so the water was probably pretty warm. He said he woke up and there was no well, boat around. So at least you could see the sharks through the water. That's the benefit he, of the Gulf of Mexico. He did say something like bumped into him, and he, he said he didn't think it was a shark, Ooh. but he saw a fin, and that freaked oh, him out. But he woke up though. Um, he must have been passed out. For a while, because he, when he came to, the boat wasn't there. Now, obviously, cruise ships are huge. So if you fell off a cruise ship and then came right, right to, you'd see the cruise ship going away, which would right. probably be even worse because they're not going to stop. You know, they're gonna, just going to keep going. <laughs> oh, hold on. We've got, we've got one hanging behind. <laughs> this is um, making my whole don't ride, you know, cruise ships or subways. And I'll just throw subways in there. It's sounding better and better as time goes on. Yeah, we're not getting a, I, a, a cruise sponsorship on this podcast anytime soon with this story. Can I just go back? I, I know that this no, is no, the go story for it. we're talking no, about. Yes. But the story that you were talking about earlier, one, I hardly followed really any of it, talking about the mega jewels, because yeah. in my mind, as you're talking, the only thing I was thinking of are, is, are you describing the the stones Thanos was trying to collect and <laughs> the like that was literally yeah. the only thing in my, in my mind. So <laughs> maybe some of our listeners are in the same boat as me. I don't know. Well, who I meant that. Who are you talking about? Oh boy. Is this yeah. a character in one of this your is, Marvel? This is when uh, Billy drops in with his moral uh, superiority kick that he doesn't watch the, uh, the uh, popular <laughs> movies of the day. Um, oh yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, the back to the future reference though. I mean, you guys have seen that, yes, right? Yes, I did get that one. Yes. yes. Okay. Because mm. I mean, the Mister Fusion, Billy, oh, Billy, Billy didn't. Have you not seen yeah. Back? You have not watched Back I mean, to the Future. I saw it in the '80s when it came out, and I was like a toddler, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I haven't watched it since. I mean, I don't know. We have nothing to say. No, so we don't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's they're American classics. Come on, uh, so I don't but, have time. I'm but sorry, mis- but Mister Fusion, 
It's a classic. But anyway, it, it's that whole thing is wild too. I mean, if they can actually, it is. you know, they've been talking about this forever and it just seemed like one of those things that would never happen. And I think that's sort of the wild card that nobody talks about when when we're dealing with the environment and you have these people that are so panicked that the environment's going to collapse. But um, they never account for scientific advancement. And, you know, back in the 1800s when the big issue of the day was how do we keep the streets clean from all this, uh, you know, horse poop that's out there. Well, cars would come along eventually, you know, and then there wouldn't be any horses out on the street. So you have the technological advancement that, that kind of eventually makes problems of the day go away. So, you know, you just... This maybe this is the first big step in that next advancement, and next thing you know, we'll have Millennium Falcons flying around here, powered by uh, nuclear fusion. Right, uh, Billy, you, you're you're probably thrilled to jump into a Millennium I Falcon. Mean, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is all you're speaking another language to me, but I'm listening. No, I know I'm how much, I know how much you love Star Wars, so I was just, uh, it's just there. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to. You're trying to bait. This is <laughs> see. This is when you bait somebody into saying something terrible, and then everybody doesn't like me. So I'm gonna <laughs> smile. We'll just At let this it go. point, yep. everybody knows that you like nothing in anything. <laughs> that yeah. is true. No, I I'm actually very easily entertained, but I am except I'm Christmas not, movies. Yeah, well, I'll watch a good Christmas movie. I don't mind, but I yeah. just can't. I can't with these 45 series. Like it's better if there were 12 true. movies. Now I have to watch series. I can't. It's true. I, can't. I did. I see. I it never. Yeah. I mean, last last movie thing, and then we'll move on to our War on Christmas update. But the Marvel stuff, I had not watched any of them. I I was in your boat, Billy. I hadn't seen any of them, and I just thought, all right, I'm gonna see what the fuss is about. And I went through the whole order, and it was entertaining. Like it was fine. I mean, I didn't like love it like this. I've got to watch them all a hundred times, but it was fine. It was entertaining, but the, they just keep coming out with so many things at such a rapid pace. I can't keep up with it. I, I, I just watched all of them. So I was like fully up to date and now I'm already like 400 things behind. So it's just, I don't know <laughs> how you tragedy. keep it. You're, you're right with the time things. I don't know how you keep up with all these series and keep them all going. You it's, don't. It's too much. It's too much. So, but send the hate mail to Billy. I mean, we'll just, uh, yes, I, don't, I don't want the hate mail, but you can send it to Billy. It, he'll take it. You can so, tweet him. <laughs> yeah. At Billy Hallowell. Before, before Elon Musk takes away our blue checks. Yes. All right. Well, moving on.com. There's drama over a Massachusetts Christmas tree display, and it's taken another turn. So what's going on here, Billy? I mean, yeah. So this story is really bizarre because it was such a local story that blew up and became a national story. Um, if you'll recall, Lisa Desmond, she's the branch supervisor at Deadman Libraries, Edicott branch in Dedham, Massachusetts. Um, she is, again, librarian working there, um, was frustrated because there was a removal of the Christmas trees. So that's the background. They decided not to put the Christmas tree out this year because people were, quote, allegedly uncomfortable with the Christmas tree in the past. So she posts about it on Facebook. It goes ballistic. People are arguing about it. Now, this became a national news story, and it became such an insane back and forth that the library has decided to put the tree back into the library. So it looks like the war on Christmas has been defeated in this instance. <laughs> so what did the statement say about the ban on Christmas? So the director of the library, and it's apparently two library locations, which is interesting because really 
it only focused the story on one initially, but but these two libraries, the director of the library, her name is Amber Maroney, she put out a statement and it said in part, quote, to be clear, there is no ban on Christmas at the Dedham Library, which I just <laughs> love that line, love that line. Um, but then they go on to describe in the statement, the initial decision to not display a Christmas tree was the result of an ongoing review of all of our holiday decorations and displays that started back in the spring. So this has been something they have been reviewing, what they're putting up in the library. Uh, and they don't really go into a ton of, of details. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's part of the statement. The statement also went on to talk about how negative the community reaction was, what went on on social media and all that chaos and how it's had a negative impact. But, but the trees are coming back, guys. Why, and why, why do you think this thing blew up in, in, in the first place to, to such a level where it was getting this attention across the country? Yeah, I think people are tired of feeling like everything they say and do, they have to watch it. They're they're worried about cancel culture. And yeah, they just want to celebrate the holidays. Christmas is a holiday that 90% plus of the country celebrates, right? And the idea that a Christmas tree, for whatever reason, would no longer, I mean, it's almost offensive on either end. If you if you take yeah. the tree out of the library, it's a tradition, it's been there. Everybody celebrates it. Why would you not take the effort of putting it up? But if there's some other reason that people are uncomfortable by it. Well, that's just ridiculous when nine out of 10 people celebrate it. So I think, I think people are reacting to that. I think we're reacting to everything now, but when the, when those little things become big things, that's evidence that you've got a bigger cultural problem going on. And so I think really that's what we're seeing the manifestation of that. And what's uh, Lisa Desmond. That's the uh, branch supervisor <laughs> at the library. That's whose Facebook post kind of sparked the whole thing. What's she saying? So she now, if you go back and read her initial Facebook post, she's only complaining about the tree. She's not attacking any individual by name. She, in fact, posted another message, as you just referenced, and she defended herself because apparently this is metastasized into something else where people are like bringing in the LGBTQ issue and, you know, accusing her of all these other things. People are going after her family. And she's like, look, this was always about the tree. It was about the removing the tree. That's all I posted about. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about these other issues. And um, she's like, I stated on my, she put in caps, Facebook page, my disappointment in being told our libraries wouldn't be able to put up the Christmas tree. Um, she is really just, you know, defending herself and saying, this is ridiculous. I want peace and love for everyone. But at the end of the day, you know, we all got to calm down. So <laughs> words to live by. We all got to calm down. So what, what do you guys think? I mean, is there actually a war on Christmas or do we just, or do these things get blown up because people are frustrated at some of the PC attempts that are going on. Um, what, do, what do you guys think is the, where does the reality lie? Yeah, I, it, I think it's kind of tough to say exactly what, what I think the reality is. Do I think that there's an attack on Christian values? Absolutely. I think that, that we're seeing that in all kinds of different ways. Um, but you know, I don't know that it's necessarily, uh, you know, just an, a, an attack or a war on Christmas, because I think the reality is a lot of these traditions have become just secular traditions, right? These things that we do, uh, like putting up a Christmas tree. So I think it's hard to say whether there's specifically a war on Christmas, but I think there is a war on on Christianity and Christian values. That's what we see is going to happen throughout scripture. So I think it's it's silly to deny that these things are being attacked and i think christmas is when a lot of it is at the at the forefront culturally yeah i think 
I think it's in the truth is in the middle, you know, because the yeah. reason you would go after, I don't understand why as a culture, if the idea is bring other cultures in, bring other, I mean, we have a menorah lighting in our town, right? Everybody loves it. It's part of the Christmas tree. Like nobody cares. Nobody's offended by it. It's, it's another holiday. Why is the goal always destroy everything that currently exists to make room for new yeah. things instead of allowing everything then to be there, right? I mean, you've got the satanic temple. They've got to make sure their voice is heard at the holidays. They've got to put their display up. It's like, okay, they have the right to do it, but why are we doing this? What's really behind it? And I often find it's really an intent to offend, it feels like, even if they're not saying that, you know, yeah. the, especially with the atheist groups who do it. So I don't know. I could go on and on about it, but... But I would also say when you look at a lot of these issues, people will say, oh, no, 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 you know, that you're making that up. There's no war on Christmas. And then you give them an example of it and it's a legitimate one. And they're like, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Like, and it's like, well, no, you can't you can't have it both ways. Yeah, no, indeed. Uh, but I think you're right. Um, it's definitely a wider um, trend as far as attack on Christian values. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that that Christian values are under assault on a whole variety of fronts, namely the marriage issue. Um, but so we're going to keep reporting on that when we see it. So this is not us trying to like conjure up some war on Christmas. I think it's all part and parcel of the same uh, yep. overarching issue. So thanks for bringing that one, Billy. Uh, we're going to head into the main thing now, and it is easy to complicate the will of God or to think we're beyond redemption. And that's what is at the heart of Christian author Allie Patterson's new book, and she spoke with Trey about how we can practically invite God into our daily lives and the difference it makes. That's today's main thing. Allie Patterson is an author of the new book, How to Stay Standing, Three Essential Practices for Building a Faith That Lasts. Nowadays, her faith is flourishing, but it wasn't always that way. Allie once had a life in the corporate marketing industry. She'd achieved all the success the world could offer her, but it all came crashing down when, after drifting from her faith, she had an affair with a colleague. It was in that rock-bottom despair that the Lord met her and began transforming her heart, and in time, redeeming her marriage. We spoke recently about how to invite God into every facet of our lives, into the tough stuff, the things that break our hearts and test our resolve, as well as the simple tasks we all do each and every day, especially during the busy Christmas season. Here's a portion of our conversation. Part of rejecting the lie that we're too far gone or we mm -hmm. don't, we can't receive redemption, which is a silly thing to think anyway, because it's nothing on our end to begin with, right? It's all mm -hmm. the work of Christ on the cross that that redeems us. Yes. Um, and But I think part of rejecting that lie in our life is inviting the Lord into the daily process of decision-making, which is something that your book For sure. touches on. So tell us a little bit about practically, how can yeah. we as believers bring God into our daily decision-making processes? Yeah. So um, I think a lot of believers really, again, genuinely want to know God, genuinely want to be connected to him. And we know that the Bible is the right place to go for a lot of that foundational, you know, work and understanding and, and wisdom for our life. Certainly. I think the part that we miss is the same part in the book. That is the difference between the wise and the foolish builder. They both heard the words, right? Only one of them did something because of the words and the other one didn't. 
And I think the difference lies in the one practice that has to come before hearing the words of God. You can read your Bible every single day. You could go to church every single week. And if you never actually come to Jesus, that's what he says. He says, come to me and hear my words and put them into practice. So if you never show up wholeheartedly, the Bible makes it clear that the heart is where our action actually begin. Not, not in our mind. Our heart is what motivates action. So the wise builder came, heard the words, and therefore was compelled to put them into practice. If you leave your heart out of the equation, and by that, I mean, if you never show up before Jesus as who you really are in the reality of your life, in brutal honesty before him, asking him to come, into your life to be with you in a way that is raw and honest and real. If you never do that, you can hear all the nice words you want and you will not ever be compelled to put them into practice because you're, you're, nothing's on the line for you. Your heart isn't really open and it's, it's the heart that compels us to action. And I think the, the mistake that a lot of us make who are believers is we get out of the practice of that desperation for God. We don't really come before him. We kind of go like, eh, I'm better than the next guy. Kind of got this thing all right. And we fall out of the practice of truly coming before him. And the book really goes into the, pra what, what would that look like? Because I don't, I don't want you to tell me to come to Jesus. That feels like something my grandma would embroider on her pillow. You know, I want to know, what does that mean? What, tell me what that means. And so the book goes into like practices, truly practices that could assist you in remembering what it looks like to bring your whole heart to Jesus and go, I, I actually need you like kind of desperately and maybe more than I want to even admit. And that's the missing piece. If your faith is not feeling real, if it doesn't feel like it's what's compelling your life, my guess is that it's not because you're not a nice person. It's not even because you're not maybe even reading your Bible and going to church. It's because you have fallen out of the practice of bringing yourself truly before him mm -hmm. and, and being honest and being open to, to not having it all together. Um, you know, we have a God that responds to open need. And I think when we get in the mode of, self-protection and convincing ourselves we're awfully good. Got it. You know, we got stuff going on. We got it figured out. Um, I think the nicer a person you are, probably the harder that is. And I think that's a real danger spot for a lot of honest believers who want to know God. Yeah. You know, I think some of that, it, it reminds me of of what we do around the holidays, <laughs> right? We're right in the heart of the Christmas season. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of times we're tempted to just celebrate and focus on all of the glitz and the glamour, all of the great and fun things about Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, but those are just reflections, right? That's Those are totally. shadows of the Lord uh, and, and Christ's coming. That's mm -hmm. the central part. That's the star. Uh, and we're just worshiping a lot of times. I think uh, the glitter that comes alongside mm -hmm. the star, I think it's easy yeah. to, to focus on the creation rather than yes. the creator. And that's what ends up being the result is we have this kind of hollow faith. I've seen that at different mm -hmm. times in my own life where it's yeah. like, okay, I believe this stuff, but it's not making any difference in my, in my life. Yes. And that's, again, that's what 
the difference as I look at the parable, the wise and foolish builder and the, what Jesus says on the way into that parable is come to me. He who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. And that's a, that's a three-part cycle. If you come, he, he wants to fill you with his word in that space. He wants to meet your need for wisdom and for direction and for guidance. And um, if you show up open before him, he wants to fill that space with his word. And if he does, and when he does, if your heart is, is in it with him and you are truly open, the Holy Spirit, in my experience, is like a big magnet that tries to pull us toward obedience when that's the case. You know, and we, we might take the long way around. I have definitely done that myself. But it begins to, once we begin to collect evidence in our life experientially, oh, he, he was right. Oh, he's real. Oh, this, this is not, this is not some big fairy tale. This is a living Christ um, that matters to my daily life. Then once you start, once you start um, having some evidence of that, nothing else will do. Then just going to church on Sunday I'm pro going to church on Sunday. I wish more of us maintained that habit right now, but I'm pro that. But you could show up in church for the rest of your life and never really come to Jesus. So um, I think that's uh, at a time where faith has been dismantled. A lot of people are into deconstruction and all of that. I think now is the time for the church, for for real believers to realize um I am one wave of trouble away from figuring out whether my faith is really real because trouble will reveal it. And so I'm over here going like, you, you could look down now. You could actually know now, you know, there, you don't have to, um, you don't have to wait for that trouble to hit. There are practices you can be in all the time with Jesus so that your faith um, becomes real and it's the foundation that you're standing on and it's him it's not it's not the good things or being a good person it's actually him yeah. and um so that's that's really where the book goes is um hey what would that look like for real in my life um what does it mean to hear the word of god what wh how could i do that what are practical ways that that i could do more of that and then what about the adventure of like practicing? What if you just did what Jesus says to do? What an adventure you would go on. All right, Trey, thank you for that conversation. That leaves us with time for one last thing. And we are going to go to Esther 4, well-known verse, Esther 4, 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is, of course, a Mordecai talking to Esther when she initially didn't really have like the courage and didn't want to initially just jump right in and kind of confront the king and save the Jews from uh, annihilation uh, from Haman and, and his big plan. And so I think there's just, when we read that verse, I think why it resonates so much today, at least for me, is that you know, you look at the position you're in, whether large or small, and you just think, okay, God has ordained these things and put us in these positions with a purpose. Everyone has a plan and a purpose for their life. And so instead of being scared or frustrated by it, just walk in it with obedience. I love that. Walk in it 
with obedience. I think that's the, that's the key to all of our struggles. I think all the things we, we wade through is being obedient and remembering yeah, that. I love absolutely. That. You know, so often I think we, we find comfort in the plan rather than finding comfort in the one who makes the plan. And mm. I think that's a shortcoming that I've, I've seen in my life. And I know a lot of us have, have dealt with that. So I think Esther's story is just a great reminder that life might not look like you want it to look. It might not unfold in the timeline that you'd want it to unfold in. But if God's sovereign, it's still going to be okay. And he's still going to be glorified and you're going to be blessed because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, of course, Esther lands in a place where she says, you know what, I'm going to do it. And if I, if I die, I die. And that's, you know, that's the attitude we should have, right? It should be yeah. focused on God first and you know, fear the one who has control over your soul, not these uh, earthly creatures who don't. So we'll leave it there for this Wednesday. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless.